It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and it's draft time. So, talking to all my favorite people to get a hold of this time of year, and one of them who's on the show a lot comes on all the time during draft season because he's the best there is when it comes to data and analytics with draft prospects. And so I reached out to bring him back on, and he's going to hopefully come back on after the draft, and we'll go through the draft class from a data and analytics standpoint as well. He is the host of the Common Man Football Show on YouTube and does the only, as far as I'm aware, data and analytics draft guide out there, Mr. Jim Coburn. Jim, welcome back to the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. So let's talk about these prospects, and we'll start with the four offensive linemen that everybody seems to think have a chance to be drafted in the top 11. Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Jedrick Wills of Alabama, Makai Becton from Louisville, and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. What do the data and analytics say about those four guys? All four of them have uh, elite-level athleticism. Uh, I mean, probably the most athletic out of all of them is in Tristan. Uh, you know, he has 90, easily 90 plus percentile in terms of his explosive or body strength, his speed for his size, and of course his flexibility or balance for his size. Um, with uh, Makai Becton, ran a really fast 40, but didn't do the vertical testing and didn't do the uh, balance testing. So there is a bit of a question mark. And he's really, really big. I mean, I, uh, I know a lot of people, uh, they're like, why do you care if offensive tackle is that big? Well, most tackles that have not been as successful are typically 360-plus. Um, usually, you know, they have weight problems, and he does have a documented kind of weight problem. So that would be like the only question mark, I guess, is, you know, is this, is this a guy that's able to keep that weight off and be able to play at a high level? Um, but other than that, really athletic. And then, of course, you know, guys like Andrew Thomas, super athletic. I mean, the offensive tackle class in general, I mean, even you know, the four guys you just mentioned, even if you go beyond those guys, is very, very good in terms of athleticism um, at that position. You know, you got guys like Ezra Cleveland, uh, who is a tremendous athlete as well. Of course, everybody talks about Jedrick uh, Wells, uh, Jr. from Alabama. He's also pretty athletic. Uh, so there's a lot of really athletic tackles in this class. And I think if you were to get one in the first round and dip again in the second round, I think you would really be doing well for yourself. 
Let's talk about the guys that could be there in the second round since you mentioned that there are a lot of athletic tackles beyond the big four. You mentioned Ezra Cleveland. Some people will bring up Lucas Yang, Austin Jackson. Who do you like? Who do you think are possibilities for the Jets, perhaps in rounds two through four, or even if they were to trade back in round one and, say, grab somebody like Josh Jones? Well, I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to – uh, again, to that kind of third, second round, third round area, that's where you get your value, man. I mean, just from a historical, like statistical standpoint, um, typically if you take a tackle in round two to round three, there's about a 50 plus percent chance of hitting on the position in those rounds because those guys just tend to drop there. You know, uh, a lot of teams typically load up on wide receivers and, and running backs and quarterbacks, obviously. <laughs> And uh, and typically don't have the best results, whereas they let the kind of offensive lineman kind of drop to those rounds. So, uh, but yeah, in terms of guys that are in that range, I mean, Ezra Cleveland's probably the top of the list in terms of those types of guys. I mean, based on paper, Ezra Cleveland should be a first round pick. I mean, we'll see what happens, obviously, on the day. But uh, guys like Danny Pinter, Matt Pert, uh, uh, Jake Driscoll. Uh, for example, those are a bunch of guys that really have great all-around data for to be a, like a long-term start at the tackle position, um, and easily pound like just in terms of the the types of tackles that are in the class. This is probably one of the better classes uh, to where you could get a high-quality tackle or at least a starting tackle in round four. Even um, you know you could get a guy like uh, Terrence Steele or Charlie Heck or you know, uh, Justin Heron, um, who have – they don't have the, the greatest athleticism ever, but they do have at least enough to play that position pretty well. Jim, one of the tweets that you put out said, draft offensive line this year, not wide receivers. You'll thank me later. Can you explain that for me, please? Well, <laughs> uh, the, way, the way I would explain that is uh, from a historical standpoint, uh, just in, uh, like if you were just randomly going to draft a player in the first round. Again, this isn't taking it into account their film uh, or the, 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 the sort of uh, data they look like athleticism-wise or production-wise. But just from a historical standpoint, uh, wide receiver is probably the second worst position that you could draft in the first round to get a long-term starter. And from 2006 to 2015, because this is just the modern era that I'm talking about, you know, at least as modern as we can get so far um, with a large sample, only 61% of wide receivers drafted in round one went on to become uh, long-term starters, uh, whereas at tackle, you're looking at about 73% um, at the tackle position, 79 at guard, uh, and then, like, the best is honestly tight end with 88%. So, and the only guy who didn't become a long-term starter um, out of that tight end, uh, that first-round tight end position area, uh, was uh, the, you know the Bengals uh, tight end uh, who uh, kind of got injured a lot. I know a lot of Bengals fans kind of know who I'm talking about, but uh, for the most part, the reason why I say that is, is just because I feel like in the first round, if you just look at the histor- historical data um, and you look at how guys tested in this class. Uh, th- there's a lot more high-quality tackles than there are wide receivers, just from a, a statistical standpoint. And I do understand a lot of people talk about this wide receiver class being one of the best ever. Um, but being a little bit contrarian, uh, if you actually look at all the wide receivers on paper in this class, it's decent. 
Um, there's a lot of really, you know, really productive players. A lot of guys that I think are going to become long-term starters, but I don't believe any of them are going to become the elite the, of elite type players that a lot of people think. Like this isn't the 2014 class because this class doesn't quite have the athleticism of that 2014 class. It has the production, but it just doesn't quite have the athleticism to match um, with the uh, with with uh, with that 2014 class. You know, guys like Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jimmy Watkins and you know all those types of guys. Along those lines, Jim, let's talk about this wide receiver class. What do you think? It seems that you're of the belief that none of these guys should really be in consideration for the 11th pick, and that the Jets should go tackle. What do you think about the possibility of if they were to trade down or if the four tackles are off the board or some guys that they might be able to get in the second, third, or fourth round? What does the data tell you? Uh, Well, the data in this class, I mean, there are some really good wide receivers production-wise. You know, like, for example, if you were going to get a Jerry Judy, right, um, or, uh, you know, though, though, like, maybe not. I mean, there's really not a ton of guys to really hang my hat on because, when I when I talk about like a elite wide receiver, I'm talking about a guy like Julio Jones, right? Who had elite athleticism, elite production, all those sort of traits. None of the wide receivers in this class have all that um, on paper. Even a guy like Jerry Judy, he has above average speed, and that's really about it. And again, I know his game is a lot more about his route running ability and all that other kind of stuff, but um, there's just not that. There's uh, there's a lot more risk, I should say. There's a lot of really good wide receivers. Um, again, you could get a guy like Denzel Mims in round two, uh, Devin DuVernay in round two, you know, Brandon Ayuk, you know, for example, in round two. And these are guys that are going to become long-term starters. Or as I always uh, tell people, you know, I I, 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 I I categorize wide receivers as three types. You have the Batman wide receivers. They're the guys that can do pretty much everything. You have the night wing wide receivers that are kind of that extra guy, you know, they're they're the uh they're the 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 backup, you know what I'm saying? Like the uh uh the extra muscle, I guess. And then of course you get the Robin wide receivers who are kinda of like the short slot guys. Um this class has a lot of Robin wide receivers, it has a lot of night wings, but there's not that many if I should say any really Batman wide receivers. And when I mean Batman, I just mean they're guys that have everything in the tool belt. Most of these guys are productive. Most of these guys have good film, um, but they're not necessarily going to be elite. You know, they're not guys that I, I could see ending up being top five at the position at the next level. Let's talk a little bit about the interior linemen because we talked about the tackles before and they get all the attention, but guards and centers are going to be a big part of this draft. What does the data tell you in terms of guys that could be good value somewhere in rounds two through four and even later in the draft, five, six, and seven? Yeah, uh, in terms of the the guard position, uh, guys like John Simpson has elite athleticism for that position, uh, really good. Kyle Murphy, another guy pretty decent. At center, Cesar Ruiz, you know, who's a guy who has been getting, you know, first round kind of buzz. Really great overall athleticism for him. Matt Hennessy at center as well. Daryl Williams, uh, Damian Lewis, uh, guy, even a guy like Jedrick Wells Jr., you know, who is a guy that a lot of people obviously have as a tackle because that's what he played. But he's a guy who has the physical characteristics of a guard. He's another guy that you could possibly stick in on the inside, and he could be really great just because how athletic he is. But um, in terms of interior offensive linemen, not as – 
much depth as the tackle position, um, but I definitely think there's a lot of guys that in round two, you're going to start getting some starters in that range just because of uh, teams kind of drafting other guys above them. Jim, how about running backs? Because I don't think the Jets are going to be drafting somebody like Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins towards the beginning of the draft, but certainly a possibility that they could get somebody on day number three. Who do you like from a data and analytics standpoint? Well, interesting that you asked that because this running back class is probably one of the weaker ones um, on paper. Um, that I've seen in a while. Um, there's a lot of guys who just don't have the athleticism of a special back. Um, they're guys that are going to be potential starters, but not elite. Um, I mean, I'm trying to find the best way to, uh, there, there's going to be a lot of, uh, Blau Powell's in this class, I should say, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, th- those kind of guys that, uh, you, that you, you, you can start them. Um, but they're not necessarily going to be guys that are going to be, franchise guys or guys you're going to be talking about all the time. Um, but yeah, you know, Pat Jonathan Taylor, you know, Benjamin is a guy that I think is really good in terms of his overall athleticism profile and production. Um, AJ Dillon from Boston college is a guy that I don't think gets enough talk as well. Um, he's a very powerful, very fast back for his size, had really good production at Boston college. Um, Anthony McFarland, James Robinson, Joshua Kelly, uh, you know, there's another uh, kind of, you know, again, these are kind of the mid-tier guys. Guys are going to probably draft in round four uh, to round three that I think could become starters for you. Um, but there's really just not a lot after that. There's just a lot of uh, depth, a lot of practice squad. Uh, I really think there's there's not going to be, other than guys like Jonathan Taylor and Dobbins, I don't think there's that sleeper back in this class. You know, uh, the guy that uh, – uh, that we talk about every year that like goes in round four and round five and becomes elite. Like there's really no sleeper guy in the class because they just don't quite have the athleticism to warrant that kind of praise. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball and start with edge rusher because that's one of the biggest areas of need for the Jets. They didn't really do much in the offseason. They brought back Jordan Jenkins, but if anything, they maybe stayed where they were, which really wasn't very good. Talk to me about some guys that the Jets could potentially get in this draft. I don't expect them to go edge rusher in the first round, but there are some possibilities later on. What does your data and analytics say about some of those guys, like perhaps Bradley Anai from Utah or somebody like Joshua Uche from Michigan? Well, in terms of the edge rushers in this class, I mean, it's a really solid class. Um, You know, guys like Chase Young and Yeter Gross Matos, um, those are guys that I think have uh, elite to near elite potential. Um, I mean, Gross Matos, for example, I think there's a chance that he could be kind of like a Jason Pierre-Paul type or OCU Manure type, if that makes any sense. Um, a guy that, that could have a really great first couple of years and then maybe fall off a bit, but still really good. Um, Alex Highsmith is another guy who great athleticism, great production, a guy that probably will end up being day two. Um, unless the team really, you know, puts their stamp on them. Uh, Carter Coughlin uh, is another really solid, really productive, really athletic uh, player as well. Um, uh, AJ Impeniza, excuse me, uh, he's a guy that uh, you probably might see as a New England Patriot because he has that sort of uh, athleticism qualities that they that they. He, he's almost identical to Mike Vrabel. Um, uh, Roosevelt, you know, those types of edge rushers. I know some of you guys may not remember that time period, but he's almost identical to those types. So I would not be surprised if, if the Patriots ended up taking that type of guy. I know this is a jet show, but I'm just saying you might end up seeing him two times a year. Uh, and then uh, Bradley, you know, and I uh, has pretty much good starter potential with him. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, Decent starters in the class, Jonathan Grinnard, uh, Kenny Willalik, uh, Terrell Lewis, Casey Toehill. You know, these are guys that have potential to be starters. But I do think there's a lot of high-quality addresses in this class. And, uh, you know, it may be surprising if the Jets were to take one uh, because, you know, they've been talking about wide receiver and, and tackle a lot. But if they were to get a guy like Gross Matos or Alex Highsmith or – you know, somebody like that, um, I, I, th- I don't think they would be going wrong um, to get that type of guy because I do think there's a lot of quality guys at that position. How about corner? Same situation there? Um, corner is, I would say it's, it's, fairly, uh, it's fairly decent. There's a lot of starters. 
Um, the top guys in the class, you know, uh, Jeff Akude is someone that I think overall, when you look at his data, um, he looks kind of Sean Smithish. Uh, you know, Sean Smith, uh, who was on the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. at one point, kind of jumped from, you know, some different teams. Um, not quite as productive as you want him to be. Gary and Conley, kind of similar to him, too, production wise. Um, and I feel like he's going to be a starting cornerback, but not elite. But if you really want to get like that special guy, based on data, the top cornerback in this class is CJ Henderson. Um, great athleticism, great production, um, and, you know, just great overall profile. It's saying Basie is another guy. He's kind of more of a nickel, a kind of backup guy, but really great um, athleticism with him as well in production. And then the last Pro Bowl cornerback that tested, at least Pro Bowl potential, I should say, is uh, Noah Ig Benogheny. I know I probably didn't practice that name, but from Auburn, another guy. Has all the sort of traits you're looking for at the position, and there's like a mountain of other starters. So, like, this is a, a pretty decent cornerback class, not that elite corner in this class. There's really no Darrell Revis, there's no uh, Namdi Asamoah, um, there's no Richard Sherman, you know, guys like that. There's really nothing like that in this class, but there's definitely a lot of really good Pro Bowl potential type cornerbacks. We've gone through all the key areas of need for the Jets, but there are obvious areas of need in terms of depth. And one of them is safety. The Jets have one of the best safety tandems in the league with Jamal Adams and Marcus May, but Marcus May's entering the last year of his deal. He does get banged up a lot, and they need depth there anyway because they were going to bring in Marquis Christian. That deal fell through, so they could use a third safety, somebody that could contribute on special teams. Anybody at safety that you think the Jets could look at maybe in the later rounds? Yeah, if you're talking about uh, a little later, I mean, Jeremy Chin, I'm not quite sure where he is exactly in terms of, uh, you know, how people kind of value him. But um, he's definitely somebody that if you were to get him in, uh, you know, in that day two area, day three area, um, you got a guy that has very good good potential to be a starter. Uh, Legereus Sneed, Jordan Fuller, uh, Cameron Curl from Arkansas. You know, those are some other guys that have really good overall data to become a long-term starter. Uh, Kevon Wallace, Josh uh, Matulis, um, Alohi Gilman. are kind of These are kind of like strong safety types. But um, the safety class is uh, not as good as other classes. It's not the weakest class, uh, you know, not the weakest position in the class. But I definitely think there's, uh, there's some solid, you know, starters uh, in this class. Two positions that I don't expect the Jets to use high picks on are quarterback and tight end, but it's possible that maybe they use a late pick because, let's say, Adam Gase identifies a quarterback that he sees as a potential long-term backup. That could be somebody that they target late in the draft. Could see a similar situation if there's a good blocking tight end that they like, if perhaps they've lost faith in Trevon Wetzko, who they drafted in the fourth round last year. Talk to me a little bit about the tight end and the quarterback class. Man, I mean, tight end is, uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of grumbling about the tight end class, at least from some people I've talked about it, and, and there's reason to grumble. Uh, there's not a lot of really great athletes at that position. Um, typically, most all-pro and pro bowl tight ends have really great speed scores, and this class was not fast at all at tight end. I mean, there was, there was not a lot of guys who were really that fast for their size in this class. Um, the one guy that does come off as a potential pro bowler is uh, Albert Okwugbunam uh, from uh, Missouri. He has pretty much all the traits you're looking for in terms of like a special tight end. But once you leave him, 
there's just guys that really could just be starters. I mean, Cole, uh, you know, commit from Notre Dame, you know, he's a guy that's a classical inline type uh, size and everything. Uh, Bryce Hopkins, Hunter Bryant. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys in this class that just look like guys, you know, guys that I think are, are going to be able to contribute on Sundays and, uh, and, and kind of maybe catch 10, 20 passes a year. Um, but there's really no special special guys in this class at the tight end position, uh, which I think is, is most of the consistency on people. Quarter, the quarterback class, uh, I have pretty much, based on the data, um, there's five guys um, in that top kind of range. You know, Tua is probably the top guy. I know he has the, the questions about his uh, the injury, you know, with him. Uh, but he, in terms of just production each year, he's been pretty much the best in terms of his career. Uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jake Fromm, and Jalen Hurts are in the same boat as potential Pro Bowl potential guys. I know Joe Burrow had an amazing season um, last year in 2019, but he also had kind of an average season before that. Uh, so there is a question, is he a one-hit wonder? Um, there is some question marks with him from that kind of perspective just because of that. And um, I know a lot of people talk about Jalen Hurts. Is he a quarterback? Is he not? That kind of stuff. But uh, I feel like Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow have very similar stories. So, like, if you're going to make the same – if you're going to ignore the fact that Joe Burrow uh, was uh, was in a quarterback battle and then left it uh, to go to LSU, you know, he went from Ohio State to LSU uh, because he kind of lost that quarterback battle and then became great at LSU – uh, you, you can't really ignore the fact the same thing happened Jalen Hurts, you know, being in Alabama and then lost the quarterback battle there and then came to uh, uh, to Oklahoma. So, uh, but overall, though, you know, there's a lot of there's at least four Pro Bowl potential quarterbacks in this class, one All Pro potential guy in Tua. Uh, but uh, and, so this is a relatively good quarterback class. But I definitely think there may be too many quarterbacks drafted in the first, just because I think some of the guys do have that lack of experience. And there is a lot of question marks just because of them being kind of one-year wonders uh, in terms of a lot of these guys, in terms of their peak seasons, I should say. Guys like Joe Burrow is a bit of a question mark just because he wasn't really that great the first year at LSU, and then he just exploded the next year. Um, and that's not always the best thing you want to see. You want to see consistency in their career. You don't want to see like a up-and-down type thing. It's a lot of these quarterbacks had that type of up-and-down type uh, trajectory to them. The Jets are very well stocked at both inside linebacker and interior defensive line, so I'd be pretty surprised if they used any of their draft picks on one of those players, but you never know. So let's talk about those classes. What does the data tell you about the interior defensive line and inside linebackers that are coming into the 2020 draft? I would say interior-wise, uh, there's not a lot of special players. Um, they're, they're None of the the three, four defensive ends, the defensive tackles, or the nose tackles um, graded as elite uh, players. A lot of it was either production or not enough athleticism data to really project them. Uh, Derek Brown probably is the top interior defensive lineman in this class based on everything uh, data-wise, you know, in terms of production. Uh, he doesn't have the best athleticism, which is really what keeps him from being that great of a player uh, in terms of potential, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he just looks as a guy that's going to be more of a starter than anything else. Uh, Jordan Elliott, Marlon Davidson, Khalil Davis. Uh, there's a lot of guys like that that, again, could become decent long-term starters. 
um, at that position. At linebacker, there's a lot of really decent inside linebackers in this class. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is probably uh, a guy, based on data, that should be considered a top five bat player in general um, in terms of the, the linebacker position or just any position, really. I mean, he should be considered a top five player because just great athleticism, great production. Uh, Davion Taylor is another guy who should be a Pro Bowl potential guy because of his athleticism and production. And there's a decent amount of starters after that, but they all do lack the athleticism. Uh, a lot of these guys, if they do become starters, they're going to have to be outliers because guys like Logan Wilson, uh, well, Evan Weaver, uh, Kale uh, Garrett, you know, these are guys that had really bad speed scores. And, you know, sometimes these guys work, sometimes they don't when they run that slow. Um, and that's kind of the question mark. But uh, I think the linebacker class is pretty decent. Uh, the interior defense alignment, like I said, there's really no special guy at that position. Um, but there definitely is a lot of guys that I think end up becoming long-term starters. And I think Derek Brown is probably going to be the best amongst them um, once he get, enters the NFL and kind of transitions to that. Read his work and watch his videos and you will be a smarter football fan. I'm not saying that the data is all you need to look at, but it's certainly part of the equation and he's got it in spades. Jim Coburn, the host of the Common Man Football Show on YouTube and the man who puts out the only data and analytics draft guide that I'm aware of. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you after the draft and looking at the data for the guys that the Jets actually do pick. For those that aren't familiar with your work, why don't you go ahead and let them know where they can find you and what they have in store for them when they check out what you've been doing. Sure. Uh, you can find my work at uh, the Common Man Football Show on YouTube. Uh, you can also go to my uh, Patreon page, which is uh, patreon.com slash Coburn. Um, on that page, it has a lot of data work on there. It has my 2020 NFL Draft Analytics Big Board. Um, and I will definitely be releasing the 2020 NFL Draft Analytics Guide this Friday. Uh, and on that, it will pretty much have every position at the Combine. Um, I, I added a couple positions here and there uh, of Pro Bowl, of Pro Day guys, I should say, uh, because uh, but, but, but the virus really hurt a lot of that. So I used to include a lot more positions because the Pro Day information would come in and I kind of add guys to the data set because, you know, the, they had their Pro Day and they had their numbers put up. But this year, because of the coronavirus, not as much Pro Days. And as a result, you have kind of less data to use uh, or to work with. So, um, But overall, definitely uh, go to the Patreon page and check that out. Um, and again, like I said, on Friday, I'm going to be releasing the 2020 NFL Draft Analytics Guide, which I believe is, is the fourth year in a row that I've had that guide out there. And uh, like you said, there's really nothing like it out there. Um, it pretty much has everything from production, age, um, athleticism, uh, and just everything in between, you know, physical metrics. You know, a lot of times people look at arm length and hand size and height and all that kind of stuff. You're like, why did they do that? And I think the guy really does a good job of kind of breaking down why teams look at those types of things um, in terms of everything else. So definitely check that out. 
Check out Jim's YouTube show, The Common Man Football Show on YouTube. Go ahead and get his draft analytics and data guide that you can only get when you sign up for his Patreon. And you can find out all the information that you need as far as where to find all this on his Twitter, at Jim Metrics. If you haven't given this show a five-star review yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. But it really goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we'd really be grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.